after last night's rugby result. But let me tell you something, our God's the same yesterday, today and forevermore, amen? Now the church has grown significantly for, a, for the last couple of months, so some of you might not know me as well as others, but you will do. But I drive for a living for uh, printers over in Blackfriars. So and if I'm not deep in prayer in my van, I sometimes I'll switch the radio on. And I've, <laughs> I've had it very interesting, and it's been, just been come to my attention that from way back, right up to the present time, songwriters and pop stars sing as, with, as songs with love as the answer to all things. I was listening to a Beatles track and it was, all you need is love, love is all you need. I heard another one the other day, I don't know what the group it was, but I know it's an 80s track and it was, the power of love, a force from above, clinging my soul. I just thought, wow, there's something inside us that realises that love is the answer. At weddings, when uh, it's the time for the bride and groom to have their dance and everyone's uh, gathering around them, they're not rocking out to heavy metal. <laughs> they're not, they ain't got their hands in the air raving, they're, they're dancing to a love, love song. Because we know that relationships should be built on love. There's something good about love. The dictionary tells us that love is a profoundly tender, passionate affection for another person. A feeling of warm personal attachment or deep affection. Love is meaningful. It's special. Another, uh, some verses that are always read out at weddings. Uh, 1 Corinthians tells us what love is and what love isn't. It says, love is patient, love is kind, does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud. It is not rude, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no records of wrong. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes and always preserves. Love never fails. Isn't love amazing? Isn't it a beautiful thing? That's why our God is a God of love. That's why he is love. Last time I preached, I finished with the, I finished with the first two verses of chapter 6 of 2 Corinthians and today we're going to look at the verses building up to that because I feel like God's wrapped it all up for me with one thing today, love. I love Paul's letters. I know Sharon mentioned Paul, I love Paul's letters. They've always got a specific outline. In 2 Corinthians the outline is the, he's, he's explaining for his reasons for the change of journey. He's encouraging the Corinthian church about to prepare for his arrival and he's, and he's stressing all the time that he's a genuine apostle. There's been, there's been people saying he's a false apostle and, he's wrote, and his conversion on the road to Damascus was false. But you know what I love about his letters? They're so encouraging. You know when you read his letters, don't you just feel built up and encouraged like you've been impartated with something? They're jam-packed with Jesus. <laughs> They're jam-packed with the gospel, I love them. But before we open our Bible, I just want to say that we know things and we're aware of things, but we need reminding. Now, I love my wife Donna so much, but it don't stop me telling her. And, I, and when I, I was preparing it, I was having a whale of a time. I was reading the verses and thinking, oh, Jesus, I love you. My soul was rejoicing. I thought, I know this stuff, but I love it. <laughs> Let's open our Bible, say. 2 Corinthians, chapter 5. For, we're going to read from verses 14 to 17. Now, I'm going to do this in two parts a day because I feel like we need to grasp the first part in order to get the second. We need to know where we are in these, in these first verses so we can really get hold of the second, verse, the second part of the, of the preach. So, verses 14... To 17. For the love of Christ controls us, because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. From now on, therefore we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Great verse, isn't it? 
It ain't good verses. This text here is literally the love of Christ. It's a, it's a beautiful picture of Christ's love and, and what he's done for us and where we are now. And they're strong words. The, the first 14 uses strong words. It talks about love's, Christ's love controlling us. When you think about controlling, it's something powerful. It's, it's dominating. It's holding us together. It's giving us direction. But this love ain't just, we ain't being tossed all over the place. No, we're, 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 we're compelled by it. Well, the NIV uses the word compels. It uses Christ's love compels us. Now, to compel is to, to, be, is to have power and an irresistible effect. I like that. That Christ's love is powerful and it's irresistible. And, it, and it, another uh, explanation for compels is drives to a course of action. Christ's love drives us to a course of action. And it made me to think before I was a Christian, and for some people it was a, a more drawn-out thing, but for me it was very quick. God's love was on me, bang, and I didn't even know what it was drawing me, but it was. It was like, and I was, I thought myself, we was a time when we was unaware of God's love. And it was a time when we were unaware we even needed it. But that's the power of his love. It's secure, it's safe, it's overwhelming, it's unconditional. The Bible tells us, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. It, it tests the test of time. It's not like human love. We know sometimes human love can, can run on emotion or feeling. That's not God's love. It's unconditional. It's always there. It, it stands the test of time. Later on in that same verse, one died for all. What an amazing demonstration of love. Nobody is out of the reach of God. Galatians 3 verse 13 says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, becoming a curse for us. Christ took upon that curse that should have been ours. He died the death that should have been ours. He done that for all mankind, for all humanity. That's unconditional love. He didn't say to us, I'll tell you what, clean up your act first and then I'll love you. He didn't say to us, I'll tell you what, I'll sacrifice my son if you promise to love me. He didn't say that. We didn't have to clean up our act. We didn't have to make any promises to experience his God love. It was, his love's got no strings attached. He did all the giving and all the sacrificing. Romans 5 verse 8 says, God shows his love for us while we were still sinners. Christ died for us. He loves us because he is love. And Christ's death is an ultimate demonstration of God's love for us. And it's massive for those who have accepted it, for the believers. I mean, the, the one died for all was the broadest application is for all mankind. But when Paul's talking, therefore all have died is for the believers. It's a particular application. In Romans 6 verses 6 to 7 it says, We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing, so that we would, would no longer be enslaved to sin. For no one who has died has been set free from sin. Isn't that wonderful? We are set free. We die to our old self. We can, we're set free. We don't have to carry that around with us no more. No, we carry it around, placing our, tr- our trust as Jesus, as our Lord and Saviour. We become united in all these accomplishments on our behalf. We were baptised into his death, buried with him, and we will certainly also be united with him in his resurrection. Amen. That verse, that verse 14, that's the first verse. How packed is that with God's love? What Christ done with for us, how he's died for us, and how we live for him. It's changed the way we live. God's love's changed the way we live. Verse 15, he died, voluntary action on Christ's behalf. He was raised, performed by God. On those two facts alone, we no longer live for ourselves. We live for Christ, but we've been bought with a price of Jesus' death. 1 Corinthians 6 verse 20 says, you are not your own. For you were brought with a price, so glorify God in all your body. We are called to serve Christ now. We are called to serve Christ now. And if we're not serving Christ, then we're serving another. 
And if we're serving another, if we're living for self, then we're living for sin. It's important to know these verses. It's important to know who we are in Christ. It's important to know who we're serving so we can glorify God. Let's keep our hearts open and soft so we can allow God to come in and be Lord of our lives. And what we've experienced in our life, God's love, what we've experienced is give us a whole new outlook. <laughs> changed convictions result in changed attitudes. We, it's, it's affected us. When Paul talks about the flesh, he's talking from a worldly point of view. We don't, we don't do things from a worldly point of view no more because we know by worldly standards how faulty they can be. The Bible tells us not many of you are wise according to worldly standards. And we know how, how all too easy it is to make estimations of people, especially from outward appearances, from worldly point of view, from the flesh. I did it all the time. Right from childhood, right through to adulthood, I was judging people all the time. I mean, <laughs> I think we've took, in, in our schools, it's took a step further than just judging at the moment, but you were getting judged on what school you went to, what type of education you had. I mean, when I was hanging about with my mates, we would judge people on where they lived, where they come from. We were judging them on what clothes they had, what car they were driving, what social standing they were. If they weren't doing the things we were doing, you weren't fitting in. And the world can make us think this way about people. We've got to be careful what we're looking at. Magazines, televisions tell us we've got to be this, that and the other rubbish. Rubbish. It's rubbish. It's a lie. It's a deception. God, them things don't matter to God. He, them things don't matter to God. And in the same way, it burns me to say this, but I probably I regarded Christ in the same way. I regarded Jesus in the same way. He didn't fit in to what I was, what I was doing. He didn't fit into my plans. I would not, it wouldn't have been cool <laughs> at the time to go down the pub and say, I, I love Jesus. <laughs> it wouldn't have been cool. He didn't fit in. And back in the time before Paul encountered Jesus, Counted God on the road to Damascus. Paul probably judged Jesus in the same fashion. That's why he said we, we didn't regard Christ in the same way. Jesus didn't fit the mould of a Messiah. <laughs> he didn't fit the mould of a Messiah. He was meant to come and deliver Israel from the Roman oppressors, restore King David's uh, kingdom. Even worse, he died a criminal's death. And any law-abiding Jew would have known that was the ultimate sign of God's disapproval. Deuteronomy 21 verse 20 says, For a hanged man is cursed by God. So from outward experiences, from outward appearances, it, it seems that Jesus died a criminal's death. But as we know, we all made a wrong assessment of Jesus, the same as Paul did, and the criminal was actually everyone else except Jesus. Of course we don't regard Christ in this way anymore. <laughs> and that love is affected as it's turned our lives out. We, he's our Lord and Saviour, and we're going to love him with everything we've got. So that's why in verse 17, we can celebrate. <laughs> we've looked at these verses, but we can celebrate that we're new creations. The old is gone. It's all gone. I love new creation. You know when a baby's born, you all get excited. It's new creation. Oh, it's wonderful. And <laughs> well, it must have been one of our children, but I loved it. <laughs> and God loves new creation. He loves new creation. Let's go back to Genesis 1. We read, The earth was without form and in void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And then what did God do? He began to create a new creation, a new earth full of life. It was wonderful. But like the earth, we was empty and in darkness too. We was empty and darkness and too. But by the same power that God created the universe, he transformed us by Jesus. And what did Jesus say? Behold, I make all things new. New creation. Yes, love it. We can look back at our old lives. I look back at mine. I was always drunk. I was always drunk. I was always in pubs and clubs. I was rude. I was flash. Stop laughing, Mum. I was a jack the lad. It's all come with a bad temper. And due to my lifestyle, I accumulated a lot of debt. But you know what? I'm so rejoicing today. 
I look back on that, I'm set free and I'm forgiven. <laughs> and I love Jesus very much. In these, ver- in these verses we first look, we've looked at here, it's just all about God's love, how he's displayed his love for us through Christ, through now how we live for him, how we not, where we're not doing the things we used to do anymore, how we're new creations. We need to grab hold of these verses because they're going to be crucial in the second part. It makes me want to worship and praise when I read them. It just makes me want to worship and praise and it gets better. Let's open our Bibles up. <laughs> Verses 18 to 21. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting the trespasses against them, and entrusting us to the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. I want to say that again. Therefore, we are ambassadors of Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Oh, mate. I love that. I've called this second bit, Christ's love compels service. Because I like that word compels because it's driving to a course of action. I feel that's what love's doing. God's love, it, didn't, it ain't stop, it's not dormant. It's still driving us on, it's still driving us on. But uh, first, the first 18, that's very important. We've got to remember that all this is from God. What we looked at in them first verses, it's a gift, salvation, how we're changed. It's not, we didn't do it in our own strength. It's all from God. Let's, let's, get, let's be rooted in that. Everything's from God. It's not none of our own doing. In Romans 11, verse 36, it says, From him and through him and to him are all things. Let's get rooted in that. God's done some amazing things for us. He reconciled us to himself through Christ, and now he's given us the message of reconciliation. We're carrying it. <laughs> to reconcile means to, to bring together, to, 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 to unite, to put an end to hostility. We were the ones in need of reconciliation. We were the ones who had our backs to God. We were the ones at one time opposed God, but through Christ, God was reconciling himself to us. God was doing all the reconciling. He was the initiator of it, not the recipient. The recipient is us. We can rejoice in that. We're the recipient of the world, us. Romans 5 verse 10 says, While we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Do you know what? This might sound a little bit crazy, but do you know what? Being reconciled to God, being in relationship to God, used to scare me. That used to put me off. Because I used to think, oh, mate, I'm going to have to wear white socks and sandals. I know I am. And I'm, I'm going to have to grow a beard and I don't like it because it itches my face. And I'm going to have to wear a big fluffy cardigan with big brown buttons. Probably, I thought I'm going to look like my dad. I thought I weren't going to allowed to wear jeans. I, thought, I love jeans. I thought, I'm not gonna, I thought I was never going to be allowed in a pub again. And I thought God was just going to be horrible to me and say, no, no, no. But how wrong I was. My relationship with God has been taken from one of hostility to one of friendship. <laughs> I'm in a relationship full of love, joy and blessing. Romans 4 verse 8 says, Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord will never count against him. Reconciliation occurs because God doesn't count our sins against us. To count our sins against us would be to ac- accumulate debt. Debt which is rightly ours, but God's cleared for his son Jesus. How honoured and privileged we are. How honoured and privileged we are. We've received this message and now we've been entrusted with it. <laughs> Jesus' work on the cross is done. You know, Jesus looked up and said, it is finished. But we know there are lots and lots of souls 
in North Central London have not been saved. There's lots and lots of people who have not received God's love. They don't, they've not experienced God's love. They don't know what it is to, to receive the saving to their, their lives. So I want to make one thing clear. This message of reconciliation, reconciliation is both an accomplished fact, the work's done on the cross, but it's a continuing work. That's why we've been entrusted with it, and this is where we wonderfully fit into the picture. I love this. Everything I spoke today has been about God's love. Harry loves us, Harry's unconditional, Harry's impacted and changed our lives like nothing ever will. And now we're in a relationship with that living God. Listen to this. We are ambassadors of Christ. You might have known I got a little bit excited because I read it twice, but when I was, when I was preparing this, I thought, I'm an ambassador of Christ. Yes! <laughs> How exciting is it to be an ambassador of Christ? What is it? I thought to myself, what is an ambassador? <laughs> <laughs> I like the word, I thought I'm going to have to... <laughs> it sounded brilliant, so I thought I'm going to have a look and find out what it is. <laughs> An ambassador, I didn't look in the dictionary, I just come to me. <laughs> it was someone who represents the interests of the nation. Calm, and I heard exactly what it meant, I was even more happy. So I thought, we're representing Jesus Christ. He's got the interest of the nation on his heart. He loves all the nations. And we are ambassadors of Christ. Let's get in that verse. We are ambassadors of Christ. Jesus commissions us in Matthew 28, verse 19. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. I believe we're called to love God and love one another. To love God and love one another. God wants to now, now we're ambassadors. He says, what? Go. I want to make an appeal through you. He wants to use us to make an appeal. I think we can get a little bit, a little bit uh, all flustered when we hear this about making appeals. I think... I think how do I get Jesus into the conversation? I, 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 don't know, I don't want to say to that person. I believe sometimes we can get too mixed up with that and I, and I feel that God will open doors for the gospel and uh, when it's the right time, the Holy Spirit will prompt you. But I believe we make the same way. We make an appeal the same way God appealed to us. How did he appeal to us? We've been looking at it all day through love. It, his love was what impacted us. His unconditional love. we just got to love people. There's some strong verses in the Bible for this. As well, in 1 John it says, Whoever loves has been born of God. Anyone who does not love does not know God. A bit further on in that same letter it says, Whoever loves God must love his brother. If you know God, if we know God today, then we've got to love. I've, uh, uh, it's, that just shows the power though, of God's love. It's powerful. But I don't think I've come through on this. We need God's help big time. We need God's help big time. We need to keep saying, God, I can't do this without you. I need your Holy Spirit to empower me, to help me on this. How can we keep giving if we're not receiving? In order to give, we need to receive. We need to keep getting topped up. <laughs> and it's easy to love the people we get on with. I find it really easy to love the people I get in with. I find it e easier to love the people who I think I've got a good chance of becoming Christians soon. I look at them and think, oh, I can love them. They're going to become a Christian. That's the wrong motivation. We need to love all people. Some people have not even experienced love from childhood. And this city can be a lonely place. We live in, it's a sad thing to say, but we live in an, unli an unloving world. People are not used to being shown love. They might be a bit standoffish. They might think, oh, I had to get something. You know, what saying in return? I used to be. I remember when I was living in Greenwich, I'd been in there long and Donna's mum was coming out of hospital and they was in a process of moving and they wanted somewhere to stay and I said, you can come and live it at my place and I'll go and live at my mum's. And I, it, wasn't, it wasn't decorated, it was like a shell. There was no carpet on the floor. I thought, I've, I've asked her to come here, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm standing there, not one room was done. 
And I remember one bloke apparently said that he was going to, it was a passing comment someone had said to me that he was going to come around from Donna's mum church, from Woolwich Community Church, and help me decorate. I, thought, I didn't even take much notice of it. I thought, all right, that Saturday, bang, knock on the door, open the door, there's five blokes standing there, paintbrushes, all kitted out. I said, uh, all right. I said, yeah, we've, uh, <laughs> I said, we've come to uh, paint your flat. I said, have you? I said, uh, where are you from? I thought, I thought a decorated firm had been found. I didn't know what, I didn't know these fellas. They said, oh, we're from uh, Woolwich Community Church. I said, and do you want my first thing? Oh, I've got no money. <laughs> they just looked at me a little bit oddly and just pushed past me and started decorating. <laughs> and, uh, and we had a wonderful day. And, <laughs> and you know what? That display of love has always stuck with me. And I'm not knocking my old friends. I love my old friends who are not Christians, but they knew the same situation, but they wouldn't have done that. God had put something in these Christians. They just, they just showed love. And from past experiences, and I, I include myself in this, and especially men of this world, can find love a little bit soppy. Do you know what? I, I used to buy flowers for Donna, and, and I used to hold them behind my back walking home. You know, I used to walk home up against hedges and all that. Uh, <laughs> I, I, when I was driving, I used to sling them in the back of the boots, and no one would see me. I ain't buy flowers. I ain't buy flowers. He weren't called to, I mean, for me, I, I, it's, it's ridiculous now from now what I know, but he weren't called to love. <laughs> it looked like you was letting your barriers down. But now, on a more serious note, I think this old hack, acting hard thing and being macho, it's, uh, it's damaging. It's damaging in our world. It's, uh, and I, I'm, I'm speaking because it's, uh, it's been distressing me lately, but being hard has got our society with children killing children. That's where it's got us. From the time years ago when it was the men who acted hard in the pubs, I think that's just filtering through now. We don't realise it, but it's, Children are killing children. We need, to show, we need to show love. I read an article not so long ago. It was about a young boy called Sean. He was 15. He earns 100 grand a year from dealing drugs. He carries a knife. He, he, he has a gun. And he, he, the, being in prison doesn't bother him. It, uh, he sneers at the police. He said, uh, that makes no odds. They, if they're there or not, it makes no difference. Do you know what one of his quotes were that he regularly quoted for the article? You get respect if you're hard, because that's what respect is. That, that, uh, I didn't, didn't say his background, but you could imagine that young boy might not even been shown love. He might not even know what love is. And I was talking to someone the other day, and they said, leave the youth. They're finished. They're finished. Nothing can change them. I said, get yourself along to a new day. God's doing something, and love will impact this youth. You know, on the flip side of that, I, heard a, I was listening to Christian Premier Radio the other day, and there was a, another young lad, youth, who had been on the streets, he's homeless, and he'd been in trouble with the law, and uh, he was into drugs. And now he's a, he's a Christian, and he's writing albums, song albums, and it was a wonderful story. And the interviewer said to him, so how did you become a Christian? And he said, <laughs> it was lovely, he said, by people showing me love, not telling me about Jesus, but acting like Jesus. It impacted his life. We need to be Christ-like. We need to shine Jesus. We need to love people unconditionally. Because like right at the beginning, love never fails. But I want to just let you know that don't let our motivation to love be a big church. <laughs> Forget numbers. If we love everyone we possibly can and our church stays the size it is, then so be it. But we will, let's love people. But don't get me wrong. <laughs> if people want to hear about Jesus, then we give it to them. Thank <laughs> you.
Given verse 21, for our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Given John 3, verse 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Amen. I'm going to finish today with the same two verses I finished off in chapter 6. I feel it's, it's like a pinnacle. I love, I love these two verses. I've been praying into them. The first verse says, not to receive God's grace in vain. We know grace is divine favour, something undeserved, and in vain would be without effect or result. After what God's done for us and what he's called us to be, I can't believe that can't have an effect on our lives. And 2 Corinthians 6 verse 2 says, Behold, now is the favourable time. Now is the day of salvation. When is that favourable time? Was it in the Bible times when Paul was writing the letters? Was it Charles Finney who changed the face of Christianity in America? Was it Wigglesworth? Wonderful healing uh, ministry all over the world. Was that a favourable time? Or Billy Graham, multitudes coming to Christ. I'll tell you when a favourable time was from the time when Jesus was crucified and risen to the time he comes back and wraps it all up. We ain't going to see no more favour than we've got and every day is a day of salvation. Amen? Amen.